dreams and nightmares that I create and which I must control. He's out there looking for me, isn't he? Can you imagine the damage he could do? But today is going to be different. Something big is happening, Terry. What? After today... Hey! Psycho! Nothing will ever be the same. You really don't care what people think, do you? No. What if I start by sitting next to you? Probably not a good idea. I'll take my chances. He's back. He's coming for me. Let's start now. No! Jessica, I'm the only one who matches you. But we're inevitable. Oh, my God. God didn't do this. The devil did. Now I'm going to find him. This Organized Chaos podcast is brought to you by Gems Art Studio. This podcast is also brought to you by listeners like you. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another Organized Chaos podcast. Once again, you have chosen the very best episode of any podcast ever. We are outdoing ourselves again this week. How do we keep on outdoing ourselves? I don't know. Oh, we, we, we wake up and choose excellence. Yes, yes, that's what we do. We, there's this little yeah. switch, and you either choose excellence or failure, and every time we hit the excellence, we nail it. <laughs> Occasionally, there's the mediocre option, but that's few and far between. Yeah, yeah. Uh, adequate's on there, too, but, you know. Adequate yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you're just feeling a little bit adequate, but, you know, we always hit that excellence lever. <laughs> uh, join me, as always, is uh, Bobby Quarters. How you doing, Bobby? <laughs> oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, had a fun week uh, with uh, the selection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say uh, doing this podcast really makes me not like how Netflix releases stuff. Just yeah. this all at once <laughs> crap is like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, if, like, I even remember back in the day when I wasn't doing a podcast, it would just be like, I have to watch it as soon as possible. And it's like, oh, good, 13 episodes all at once. I didn't want to sleep before work anyway, so that works perfectly into my schedule. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it, it also fall into that like kind of hole of like, well, one more couldn't hurt. Yeah, yeah. Well, they all... oh well, this is really good. I just I can't leave now. I can't walk away from it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's all on there. <laughs> yep. Um, I think Disney has it best with the series. Yeah, Disney. Uh, sometimes premiere will have a couple episodes, but yeah, they. It's usually a weekly thing. Amazon. Amazon seems confused. They started doing the all-at-once thing. Now they seem to be doing a weekly thing. Yeah. But to be honest, I have no idea what they're doing series to series. <laughs> yeah, because I know that Man in the High Castle, that was all done. Like, I think they released, like, half a season at a time. I don't remember. So, like, it was, like, no, it was The Tick that did that. Okay. Like oh, yeah. Three tick, or four tick episodes. Tick definitely did that, yeah. That is a series that, that I was good. finished, and I wanted to because I really liked what I saw. Mm. Yeah, I enjoyed what I saw of it, too. It was great. <laughs> um, got some good news, or I guess almost good news. The podcast is almost at 100 subscribers. So if you are wow. listening and you haven't hit that subscriber button, hit it now. Get us to 100. Please do. We are almost Please there. Please do. And then if we are even past the 100 and you haven't hit that subscribe, just go ahead and hit it anyway. Uh, yeah. More the merrier. Let's see. What? What? actual number are we at we are at 92 right now wow so you know getting up there you know 
Yeah. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Listen, it's Subscribe, only the, tell your friends. It's only the best podcast in the history of the universe. I mean, if they're ever <laughs> asking for a podcast, here you go. <laughs> yeah, share. Tell your friends. Sharing is caring. We are also the most modest podcast in the history of all the universe. So yes so humble our, our modesty reigns true yes. but uh yeah we got a couple good shows to watch well i mean we brought up netflix so we got uh the new sandman series coming up which uh yes. i actually have thoughts about because i kind of didn't have a whole lot of thoughts going into it other than like last week it was released and i was like oh i guess we should cover that lots of people are talking about it okay <laughs> uh the only thought I had going into it was a few moments into the first episode when a character happened to walk on screen, and I was like, "Oh God, I have to put up with this one." Oh, we will we will get into that one. Um, uh, we got uh, Chum Scrubber, a two thousand five movie. Uh, a bit to say about that one. Interesting pick from Bobby, but yeah. I I think I enjoyed it. We'll get to it though. I mean, I, would you say that this would be one to submit to appreciating great trash? Would you say it falls under that I don't category? Know. I think it might be too good for that. Yeah. It has lots of <laughs> genuinely great moments in this movie. I will say that. Oh. Uh, and some beautiful cinema cinematography, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, just some stunning <laughs> stuff. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we got four more episodes of Jessica Jones get into. Uh, yeah. But before we dive in, we will get into the news, and we will start with uh, the more uh, tragic news. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was August 5th. Actually, I have the news story right here. But August 5th, Anne Heche was in a car accident, and I believe she was declared brain dead a couple days ago. And as of recording this, but probably not as of the release of this, she is still in. Uh, she is still on life support, just waiting for uh, to see if she can donate her. Uh, organs to anybody but she is I'm double checking yeah i believe i believe i saw that they're going to take her off on tuesday i had heard that they already had that's why i'm checking oh, okay but yeah i know uh she was on drugs when it happened yes still tragic yes um, as of the people as of the 12th of august mm-hmm she had passed on the 12th of August. Yeah, no, she was declared legally dead uh, on the 12th of August. But they, oh, okay. I had read that, but they are also still technically keeping her on life support just to see if they can donate her organs to anybody. Okay. So legally, she is dead. Yeah. Uh, she All was right. 53, way too young. And uh, the people whose house she damaged came out of a message. They, they did a GoFundMe for the damages, and they got paid ample and they they did their condolences to Anne Heche but yeah it's sad um I'm trying to think what would be my favorite movie of hers probably Wag the Dog probably comes up there which is I was thinking I that yeah in a while Wag the that, Dog that's a good one yeah though. it's been a while since I've seen that one too yeah and I, I remember enjoying it maybe we will have to bring it up come election season this year <laughs> uh, there's a few actually I would like to have during election season okay that are well, we, themed we were we can definitely discuss that because i was kind of thinking maybe doing something like that but uh yeah it looks like she's been active uh up until her death which would make sense i mean she's only 53 so jesus way too young yeah. uh anything you want to add to ann Heche before we move on to life no i mean it was 
Um, another movie I enjoyed her in was uh, 40 Days and 40 Nights with Harrison Ford. Okay. It's been a long time since I've seen that one. Yeah. But yeah. I saw that one at a drive-in. Wow. When it came out. <laughs> yeah. I didn't... It was cool. But I mean, I like Harrison Ford. Yeah, I just remember renting it um, on almost certainly VHS when that came out. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, that was a fairly big movie when that came out. So. Yeah. I uh, no, I, yeah, it, it is a shame. I remember hearing about the uh, crash, uh, that like the, I guess the next morning on my way into work. Mm-hmm. And it was just I remember you thinking like, oh god, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. That's horrible. I hope she pulls through. Yeah. But then you know more came out about it, and yeah, it's a shame. First it was just she's in critical condition. I think the next thing I heard yeah. after that was she's brain dead. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, I saw a photo of the car after the accident. It, it looked a lot of it was burnt up. Oh, it looked wow. horrible. Yeah. Well, moving into a bit lighter news. Apparently, the South Park guys yes. have done a Matt and yeah, Trey uh, have done a uh, deep fake Donald Trump movie, which is not going to get released. Last I heard, but God, I kind of want to see it after just it's, hearing that exists. Well, <laughs> yeah. I was doing some more reading about this. You, you sent me this article, and I did a little bit more research on it. Um, I, I know that in 2020, they started doing this like kind of YouTube series where it was one that started Donald Trump impersonator. Mm-hmm. And it was like kind of like a like sappy news. Yeah. So, but they were going through and like messing around with these deep fakes. And, like, they had one that was of Trump of him just saying this ridiculous stuff. But they would also do, like, interviews. Like, they did one with uh, Jared Kushner where it was him, but they just put Jared's head on the body of, like, maybe a 10-year-old. And, yeah, I mean, making it obvious, but the joke with it was, was that right before COVID, you know, the big thing that, you know, the Fox News mm-hmm. people and everyone were spreading was, you know, the fakes. Mm-hmm. Deep fakes are a serious threat. They could spread misinformation mm-hmm. and, and this whole thing. And then COVID came up. And I know that they were like two days or like a couple of days away from starting production. Mm-hmm. And then the lockdowns happened. Yeah. So everything was put on hold. And the only thing that they worked on was the specials and the new season of South Park. Mm-hmm. So I, I know, and from what the interview I read from Trey about it was, that uh, it's pretty much in the wings, always ready to go. Mm-hmm. Hmm. They just need to be able to have the time. But I know that recently they were a little busy because uh, they had celebrated their 25th anniversary with a special concert in Red Rocks, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is something I hadn't even heard of until before the podcast when Bobby told me, and I'm like, oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I kind of regret that um, I was in Colorado on, on vacation when I found out about it. Yeah. That, but, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like fun, uh, apparently... Uh... What Primus doing lots of a uh, DVDA and even some Rush, well, which yeah, awesome. Yeah, uh-huh. them and well, them and Ween were both like the primary bands, and oh, wow. it's kind of funny 
they had a they, they aired the special on Comedy Central on Saturday this past Saturday night, and it's also available to stream on a Paramount Plus as well as SouthParkStudios.com. So if you if you if you kind of know Primus just from them, or you're a fan of Primus and you know they suck, <laughs> go see. You could watch the show, and if you've never heard of Ween or are a fan of Ween, you can check it out. It's kind of cool to watch the members kind of cheese out against each other, and there's a special moment with Rush. Well, the well the living members of Rush, so mm-hmm. it's still Rush. Well, two. Of them. Uh, you, mm-hmm. Well, two or three, yeah, mm-hmm. two or three. Um. Yeah, it's uh, Getty and Alex. They come out and play Closer to the Heart with uh, Matt Stone, and I guess that's something that Trey and Wes kind of pulled and surprised Matt with there, so you get to see his genuine, like, oh my god, him having a fanboy moment. Yeah. (laughs) And keeping the cool together while playing the drums with, you know, Alex and Getty, Mm -hmm. like, right in front of his drum kit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That that, that sounds awesome. I would would fanboy out as well, so... (laughs) Yeah, there's a moment after they're playing it where Les kind of steps away from the jam towards the mic, and he's like, this is the single greatest moment of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Matt, how about you? You see Matt just play it, like, shake his head, like, yes, mm-hmm. yes, I'm loving this. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, I would have... Watching footage I found on YouTube from people who attended the show, watching that moment would have been like, yeah, that is so awesome. Like... So awesome, <laughs> for sure. Well, and they also did a lot of South Park original songs too. Oh, and yeah. uh, apparently, they opened with a um, like I guess the first song that Matt and Trey sang for the audience both nights. He came out and Trey's like, or Matt, yeah, Trey said, um, "This is something that I cannot believe that I am able to do in a place like this on a stage like this." Mm-hmm. And he sang a slow ballad version of Uncle Fucker. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> no, I was trying to think of classic South Park songs, but Jesus Christ, I don't know why that didn't pop into my head. That was yeah, almost yeah. certainly the first South Park song I ever heard. Because I, I actually saw the movie before I saw any of the TV series. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. I was a, I was a big fan of the show. Yeah. And that was, well, the uh, movie was uh, one of the first rated R films I snuck into. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, <laughs> I, I, I want to say like if. You've not seen South Park. That movie is actually a solid introduction because it starts out this kind of like this poorly animated. They're singing this song kind of poorly, and then they go yeah. into Uncle Fucker, and then you realize a hundred percent what you just walked into. <laughs> yeah, you 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 know what you. I think also uh, the first time that uh, when Kenny goes to hell. Yeah, and going we meet hell, Satan. Going to hell. <laughs> He, ironically is not performed by metallica yeah yeah uh he's that, uh, that, that's trey I, imitating I, james hatfield yeah on his way down i know he meets uh george burns and uh gandhi <laughs> <laughs> yeah well there was a christmas episode where uh they're all singing like it's christmas time in hell and you know um satan says there's there goes john f kennedy reunited for his son and then it goes to them and it's you know little paper cutouts of their heads yeah on like figures and they say reunited for the holidays it's christmas time in hell mm-hmm, yeah <laughs> it's that like christmas oh, special is pretty awesome <laughs> a lot of their christmas specials are always really good yeah. uh 
Woodland Critter Christmas, a more oh, recent Woodland one. Woodland Critter Christmas is kind of classic at this point already. Well, oh, uh, my God. Well, <laughs> a good friend of mine actually went there, and, you know, I was looking at her photos from the events, and they had the nativity scene with the critters. Oh, God. I kind of want to see like that had, now. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, oh, man. No, they had, like, little setup, like, uh, I guess, like, statues and everything mm-hmm. of the show and famous mm-hmm. scenes and characters from it like mm-hmm. kind of, but they were like cutouts almost mm-hmm. <laughs> so they were like you know cardboard like like construction paper cutouts so so stand, like the characters in the show <laughs> yeah 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 uh i guess they also played a 25 minute version song of a uh, lemmy winks mm-hmm. that included uh characters from that episode like the frog prince and the sparrow king mm-hmm. coming out <laughs> Like uh, a whole production. Mm. Well, not just... Uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I'll send you some of the stuff I, f- I could find from fans and official release mm-hmm. from YouTube. It's it's pretty entertaining. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, the South Park angle isn't the only one we could discuss, because there's also the Donald Trump angle to this thing. Um, yes. There's not a whole lot of big... Like, literally last week while we are recording, the, the FBI was raiding Mar-a-Lago. And kind of yeah. the uh, the reaction from Trump and his fan base since then has been kind of entertaining. The guys who used to be yay yay Law and Order are now talking about how the FBI is corrupt. Kind of a kind of a fun little trade off there. Um, yeah, they're kind of flip flopping on it yeah. just a bit. Uh, wait, are we for FBI? Are we against FBI? We don't know anymore. <laughs> uh, and we. I don't think any new information's really come out on the raid. I think they're talking about what to release. There's lots of rumors. Does he have nuclear launch codes? Does he just have secrets he's selling to foreign agents? We don't know. I think there's a fair bet he has something really bad for the FBI to just go in there and raid his place without any notification, the place of a former president. To get approval for that, they gotta have something bad. And all I can say is I'm looking forward to the next season of the July 6th Commission because uh, between that and Alex Jones's phone record being turned over to them, they they got to have some good stuff. I mean, they they can't get a judge won't sign it unless there's probable cause. Yeah. Unless they have valid probable cause. Mm-hmm. Now that is not just my opinion. That is what's written into law. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> To my understanding, so the I, judge who signed it was appointed by Trump, and yes, he was. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I, I, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's uh, the, this irony is really killing me sometimes. Yeah, it's like they, and he's a former president. You got to like hesitate before you sign off on something like that. The fact that they did it, they got something. We don't know what yet, but they definitely have something. They know. I, I, I have, well, it, this could kind of be considered a bit tinfoil haddish, mm-hmm. but something that I find very interesting about. Now, you, you remember the other Trump-related news that happened quite recently prior to all this? Uh, I can think of a couple things. What, what are you thinking of? <laughs> Ivanka. Oh, are you talking about Ivana? Yeah, sorry, okay. Ivanka. Yeah. Now, don't you find it interesting where she's laid to rest? Isn't she at Mar-a-Lago? Or is she somewhere else? Mm, I think she's at the estate in New York. Oh, is she? The okay. one that's like, you know, the golf course on New York. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you remember that divorce. Yeah, well, God. 
think I was a little young when that happened. I, I just and, yeah. and did you know that there that there are ten, that I believe from the photographs that there were ten pallbearers. I don't remember this stuff, so. <laughs> well, like, well, I know that at the funeral I saw a photograph of ten pallbearers for the casket. Okay. Kind of think that's a little bit much for that. I'm I'm thinking that if there's something hidden other than a body in that casket. No. Again, okay, I see tin foil hat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It could just be a heavy just... casket. You don't know. <laughs> It could, it could, and I'm trying to put logic into every bit of this, but it's just stud, small bits of that just don't really add up to me and don't hold that. They hold about as much water as a colander does soup. Ooh, <laughs> which is a lot, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, it's not for Willie, but <laughs> but uh, I think I don't know. I just it, it's interesting that she's laid to rest at that um, in New York in that golf site that's on his property. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, just, I do remember uh, thinking it's interesting that it, it was definitely his that's that's fishy yeah. to me. It's fishy to me, and uh, like I said, it's a bit tinfoil hatish. I realize that I'm recognizing that thought, mm. but uh, it's just like, it's, a lot of it doesn't add up to me. We will hopefully find out sooner rather than oh, later. And I, I have a bit of a, a correction to make. Um, the deep fake show that they started was actually called Sassy Justice with a Fred Sassy. And Fred Sassy is the Donald Trump impersonator okay. who is on there. And there's some like hilarious mm. stuff that's on there. They also have a, um, a dialysis, uh, like a warehouse company that does advertisements that is pretty much Mark Zuckerberg. No. Course. but it's like matt stone doing the voice yeah. of it and it's obvious they're obviously deep fakes yeah they're just kind of mocking it they were mocking the fear that people had over it because from what they knew and looked at it because i believe they started a deep fake company well i will say this um when it comes to uh deep fakes and mark zuckerberg he looks like a deep fake when he's not so i don't know like how you could distinguish between the two there is something very artificial about that man, though. The voice is what gave it away for me in this uh, one, because I heard it and was like, oh, that's Matt Stone. Uh, that's not Mark Zuckerberg. But, I know that man's voice. Uh, he's doing he's doing Gerald Broblowski now. Uh, uh, let's see, are, are we right ahead into Sandman? Mm-hmm. Okay. The Sandman. Neil Gaiman's The Sandman. Um... Yeah, yeah this, this was interesting. Yeah, I did not know what to expect when I suggested it. But I was like, it's popular, it's up our alley. Let's add it to the podcast. <laughs> uh, it, it, it it was different. Yeah. Um, well, I knew it was based on a comic book, and I've never read the comic book. It's always been one that I've wanted to read. And now I'm kind of wishing I'd asked George to come on, because George, I know, is a huge fan of the comic book. But here we are. <laughs> I All this requires thinking ahead. Um, yeah. I am a fan of Neil Gaiman. Yeah. I've only uh, read one of his books, which is American Gods. Um, I like his style, though. And his style no, I, is I, very prominent in this. Yes. No, I, I enjoyed, like, the narrative they were telling. Yeah. And earlier in the intro, I said that I was okay with this until one person showed up. And that's Jenna Coleman. I have not liked her since Doctor Who. Okay. Oh, okay. She's a she's tolerable in this yeah well um 
they do do some switches around, and I assume not to connect it to other things. So I was looking it up because I was like, that name's familiar, Joanna Constantine. Uh, in yeah. the comic book, this is a DC comic book, and what we see in the DC comic book is two characters, John Constantine and his ancestor, Joanna Constantine. That's what I thought. And what they did was they just kind of mixed those characters into one. And I'm assuming they did that to not get too confused with the CW universe that has John Constantine in it fairly often. Uh, he doesn't have his own series anymore, but he has a recurring role in a lot of those shows. Um, he had a movie. A movie? Oh, yeah. Keanu Reeves, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. And then the other noteworthy change I saw, which uh, I'll go ahead and explain a bit more. Um, so there's the Sandman comic book from DC. There's also the Lucifer comic book from DC, of which that comic book is a spinoff from Sandman. So the uh, Lucifer yeah. Morningstar in this series is originally and is based on the Lucifer Morningstar that eventually gets its own spinoff and it gets his own TV series that came out like five years ago. <laughs> Oh, where uh, where he plays like the uh, detective, right? Yeah, well, well, he plays a nightclub owner that works with a detective and solves crime with them. But yes, that's how come we also and has know. a it, and has a lot of pain in it. Yeah. and just has a whole lot of sex. Yes, yes, there's that too. Well, he's Lucifer, of course he does. <laughs> oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah, uh, but that there's also Mazikeen, uh in this series and in that series as well. So if you're wondering about these connections, yes, they, they were connections that very much existed in the comic books. And I feel like Neil Gaiman is trying to distance himself from the other series. Uh, we'll see what he does with it. Because uh, Jenna Coleman as Constantine, she works. Um, I'm trying not to... Uh, when I watch her, I try not to uh, compare her to Matt Ryan too much. Because Matt Ryan is too goddamn good in that role. But she's, I think she does a good job. I mean. Yeah, she does. Mm -hmm. and, and I think this character is better than the other character I'm used to seeing her play oh. from Doctor Who. Yeah, it's, well, it's but... a different character. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Neil Gaiman said part of the reason he did that was he thought she was the best on-screen Constantine uh, he's ever seen. I mean. Fair. That's a thing. Um, lots of people are declaring this woke because of these basic changes he's done. It's woke and it's going against the creator's wishes when actually they, they, these were things that Neil Gaiman wanted done and he is the creator of the whole goddamn thing from the beginning. So, yeah. no. What? no. So how is... Yeah, how... how, how what? <laughs> how is yeah. it woke? Uh, yeah, just because uh, Lucifer and uh, John Constantine are now women. Um, women exist in things is woke now. Uh, I These people scream over everything. It's insane. But yeah. Okay. Let's, All right, then. I guess we should kind of get into the actual like guts of the series here. Uh, yeah. Charles Dance does this ritual to try to bring back his uh, son. So he tries to summon uh, death, I believe. Yeah, I believe it was death. And then he ends up getting Dream, another aspect of reality. And he just captures him in the hopes that maybe he can make a deal for him for his son. And I think after a while, he just has him captured just to have him captured. And he held him for, like, I want to say, like, 
a hundred years. Ooh, get on with. Um, it was long after his death before he was let out. Um, but yeah, the first episode's lots of setup. Uh, you don't even get a whole lot of Dream, who is definitely the main character here. You don't get a whole lot of him in that first episode, other than just him behind this orb thing. But yeah, it's an interesting uh, idea. So now, dreams as we know him are kind of messed up, and he has to go around getting his stuff and kind of repairing his world. Yeah, he has three uh, items that he needs to get. It's mm -hmm. uh, one is like a, a mask. Yes. Uh, the other is a bag of sand, mm -hmm. and uh, the other is a ruby. Yeah, and we get. Uh... Uh, we get David Thewlis as I thought he was getting built up to be like the main villain of the series, but his story kind of gets ended at the fifth episode. <laughs> we'll see yeah. when he comes back. Yeah, um, but he was great. Oh yeah, he was amazing. Um, what I like about his role is that yeah, you definitely see he's getting set up for the villain, but he's not like all like sinister mustache trolling villainy or anything like that. He's like you know I'm. I'm going to get rid of lies and make the world a better place. And his last episode is really interesting where we see the diner where he gets rid of all the lies and just how shit yeah. at first is like, okay, everybody's just hooking up and then shit just collapses. <laughs> yeah. It's it just goes zero. Well, it goes zero to 30 and then, you know, 30 to 120. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's all over the place. Um, But yeah, I, I think one thing I have to say about this series is I love the style of it. This definitely feels like a Neil Gaiman uh, story. Yeah. And just in some ways, it kind of feels like just like like the way he would do a comic book come to life here. This this is so much him. Um, now I dig like his ideas for stories. But yeah, this is an interesting series. Um, I didn't know really what to expect going into it. I didn't really know much of the story. Um, but after doing five, I was like, I kind of want to see what happens next. I guess we'll find out next week. But it's like, wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the five episodes ends with Sandman getting the better of David Thewlis. I don't remember his name. John something. Yeah. It was John yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, but then we get introduced to who I assume will be the next villain briefly at the very end. And we will see how that pans out. He does get his three items, but he still has lots of rebuilding to do. Uh, he gets yeah. he gets the ruby from David Thewlis right at the end of the fifth one. I did think that was kind of cool how like uh, he destroys it to try to defeat Sandman, but then Sandman's just able to absorb its energy anyway, so... Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. That actually made it easier for me, dude. <laughs> yeah, you just did me a favor. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Do you have any uh, thoughts? Because uh, this was interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I I was walking into this kind of completely blind, so a lot of it I was just trying to figure out like what the hell was going on. Yeah, it is trippy. <laughs> uh, it is. Yeah. But I, I I it was kind of like right up by the end of that fifth episode. Mm-hmm. Because I kind of binged, like, uh, I've watched the first one, mm -hmm. and I think, like, I, I had, it was late. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the next day I had binged the next four. Mm -hmm. And by the end of, like, uh, the fifth one, I was like, man, I really want to see what happens now. Yeah. 
like I really want to because I was getting invested. In yeah, it. and it it did a great job. I don't know. Sometimes I felt like it was jumpy a little, mm-hmm. but it didn't pull me out of each story. I will say, I think the way you separated them off might have been a good way to separate them off because the first one yeah. really feels like its own unique story. Um, we aren't yeah. really following Sandman. It's just kind of this guy who captured Sandman and his family. Um, the guy is uh, played by Charles Dance, who is always a great actor to see, period. Always a treat. Um, always a treat to see Charles Dance in anything. Yeah, I have to ask you, when you see Charles Dance, what's the first movie you think of? The first movie? Yeah. So I can't say Game of Thrones. No. Obviously. No. Um, oh, God, that's tough. You want me to give you my answer? Yeah, yeah. I, I always go to Golden Child the second I see him. It's like, oh, my God. Golden Child. Golden Um... There's a comedy that he was in. Really? I can't... Th- uh, the name's escaping me. It was like... I don't know, it, there's a part of it where he's like cross-dressing and dancing on Oh stairs. my god, I don't think I've seen that. <laughs> I, I can't think of any comedy he's ever been in, so... That sounds kind of epic. He'd probably do a great job in it, because he's a great actor. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of it, but that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I think well the other big movie I can think of that he had a substantial role in would be Alien 3 yeah it's been a while since I've seen that one um it has been but yeah oh, uh, I, oh, I saw it during lockdown so yeah yeah uh I don't know I like him in Golden Child just because he's he's such an evil villain to Eddie Murphy's just wisecracker character and it's last it's action hero economy Oh, last you know, Action Hero. Team? God, that's been a really long time since I've seen that. Last yeah. Action Hero. That's yeah. not the movie that I was thinking of, but that's a movie I think of when I see him. Yeah. Because it's usually like when I see him in things, I just go, oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. He did play a real evil bastard in that movie. Oh. God, he plays bastards so often. He's so good at it. I mean, you already brought up Game of Thrones. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Tywin Lannister was like yeah. a prick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only good thing about Tywin was that occasionally he could put Joffrey in his place. <laughs> yeah. Th- there was a scene that was uh, cut, I want to say, from the third season mm-hmm. where uh, Pycelle comes out to like uh, the bay, right, King's Landing, and Tywin's out there you know, fishing, and Pycelle's doing the feeble old man thing, and Tywin calls him out for faking it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pycelle then just stands up straight <sighs> and says why he does it. And it's like, oh, wh- why was this cut? This is yeah. great. And two great actors just working off of each other. Yeah. And well, it wasn't uh, until, like, later into the series that I realized that Pycelle, uh, you know, played an Imperial, the one who destroyed the base in Hoth. Oh, Nice. That's um, him. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of Charles Dance playing a bastard, the reason why he's trying to get death here is because he's trying to resurrect the son that he pretty much acknowledges. He has another son there that yeah. he ignores and treats like shit and essentially is kind of like just a servant to him. So he's a bastard. He, he I think he's typecast at this point, and he seems like he's fine with it. <laughs> he's okay with it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's okay playing the bad guy. He enjoys it. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, uh, 
this is a good show. I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, the first episode, I would say, like, the first episode is almost like its own standalone story that you need to get through to help explain stuff. And then the second yeah. episode is where you actually get to the meat and potatoes of this series and you realize what this series is going to be all about. Um, but yeah, it's it's good. Um, I'm very interested to see what happens next. And I didn't know what to expect going into it, but it's yeah. worth checking out. Uh, Absolutely do you have any, worth it. Have any oh, additional no. thoughts, Bobby? No, I'm really excited to see where this one goes too. And yeah. as you said, there's a lot of really cool segments in this, like with their dream sequences and everything. They're very trippy and just mm-hmm. very cool. And I love how they're telling the story because they do yeah. definitely a lot of showing and not telling. Them. Well, yeah. Well, they even say I, that's part of a uh, part of the story. How they call uh, the re- like what we call the real world is what they call the waking world. And they talk about yeah. how we, we view the, the waking world as the only real world. And they're like, that's just weird. <laughs> yeah. It's all real to us. <laughs> yeah, when they started getting into that, like in the uh, like like third or fourth, that yeah. was like the second or third episode. But yeah, that I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. I, I, I dug this. I can get behind this. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are we ready for Trump, Chum Scrubber? The Chum Scrubber, yes. Yes. Oh, well, this was an interesting one. Uh, yes. I had really no idea. Even watching that trailer, I wasn't 100% sure what I was getting into. Other than that, There's a lot of big names in this movie. Holy there's a crap. huge cast in this, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, like I, well, like I had told you uh, when I was pitching it, like a lot is kind of a story about a lot of moving parts, mm-hmm. most of which are kind of interconnected in a way. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they're, they're all interconnected to a degree. I will say some work better than others, but overall, yeah, there was enough that works in this movie that I, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Um, well, yeah, the story starts pretty much um, with uh, the main character Dean, who was on the cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going over to see uh, a friend and his buddy Troy, mm-hmm. who, as we find out in an opening bit of like dialogue, that uh, Troy sells drugs to all the kids in the school. You know, yeah. he's the low, he is the drug dealer. Mm. Makes them all happy. And there's a whole market that works that also slings drugs, too, and has their own thing. Some characters of which will be introduced to in the movie. And, well, Dean goes over and he finds that Troy had killed himself. Yeah. Cut himself was... in his... In, yeah. I, I just remember watching the, the, the movie. You know, he's going through the house. He's trying to get into Troy's room. The mom's like, hey, turn down the music. And he, you go in there, you see him turn off the music, then you see him stand up, and then you just see the body in the background. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't expecting that the first time I watched that. No. That like, was, oh! Yeah. <laughs> that. That. And, yeah, it tried, it scared him, so he just quietly left, didn't say anything. And, yeah. you know, well, later, the mom found him. Yeah, you could see, and, like, in his face, like, part of him want, was like, do I say something? Do I walk away? Like, he didn't know how to process what was going on at all. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the actor who played Dean did a really great job of just conveying that. And, I mean, obviously, like, these kids who are playing teenagers are not teenagers. Well, yeah. But, I, I, they're, like, 19 to 24. <laughs> yeah, but still, they did a great job. Like, he did a great job mm-hmm. of just, like... Like I, I, I felt for the kid the first time I watched it. Oh, no. I was like, wow, I, I, I can, I can't relate, but I can't imagine what it is as 
processing right now. Well, it's good to bring up his performance because so, he was really good. And it's uh, Jamie Bell, who is probably best yeah. known for playing the thing and what might be the worst version of Fantastic Four, which is actually saying something because uh, yeah. they've all been pretty bad. But that, like, I don't think I don't I've really know. seen him in much since then. And it's unfortunate because he's I, good. Well, here. ironically, I did see that. I did actually watch that one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, him and Miles Teller are the only two things I enjoyed about that movie. Well, that's the thing. Like, that movie, like, fucking cast-wise, it's solid. Uh, yeah, the cast was good. It's just, that story was garbage. <laughs> the story was trash. Yeah. Like, I mean, they finally picked... Uh, who did, Who was it they picked for uh, Doctor Doom in that? Like, uh, uh, Tobin Bell, right? No, no, it wasn't Tobin Bell. Or Tobin. Uh, it was, God, I cannot think of his name. Uh, I only know him as Johnny Quid from Rock and Rolla. Well, he, uh, he also played Caesar in the Planet of the Apes movies. Yeah. Uh. Andy Serkis? No. Was Andy Serkis? No, I'm yeah, sorry. Andy Serkis no. was Caesar. Yeah, Andy Serkis was Caesar. It's the guy who plays the, the villain in the, uh, Planet of the Apes movies. What's the main Yeah, he was a villain monkey. in one of uh, oh god, I'm brain farting so hard. I am. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. I believe his I name is Toby Kebble. Now Koa. That I'm thinking of it. Yeah, Koa. Koa that is sounds right. Name. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Toby Kebble. Here we go. Planet of the Apes. Yeah, Toby Kebble. Yeah. Koba. Yeah, he. Yeah. He was great as Doctor Doom. Like I bought it from oh, the yeah. second he was in. It's like it's like oh awesome mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, but well, but they didn't do crap yeah, though, um, with him though. It's like he goes to another dimension, and then for some reason he comes back with a green cape, and okay, yeah, he has his armor, okay, and he's blowing um, up people's th- heads, and it's like that's crazy. Uh, what? <laughs> sure, <Yeah>. guys. <laughs> but this movie also, like, okay, so that's the main thread that moves part of this plot along. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... There's a lot of tiny little threads of subplot that also go on. We meet Dean's parents. His mom is into this vitamin supplement mm-hmm. chain yeah. thing, so she it's it's taking over her life, mm-hmm. kind of. But not in like a bad obsessive way or anything. Just it's just her focus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, his dad is a psychologist, child psychologist, who made his fortune off of writing a book about his son. Mm-hmm. Give you and a it's William yeah. Fitchner, and I mean, man, this is like one of the many times he's played just such a fucking bastard. Oh yeah, no, um, this carelessly cruel type character is something he's really good at. Just like he, like you don't get the sense he's doing it out of mouse. You just kind of get the sense he's self involved and doesn't give a shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. He, like literally, like he's talked. Well, like, like the scene where he's like, you know, he's wanting to talk to his son and yeah. they're talking and then he pulls out a notebook and starts taking notes. Yes. Down. It's like, dude, mm-hmm. it's, your, it's your kid. And he, <laughs> like, even after the son is calling him out on it, he is still just taking notes. He does not care what his son is saying. He's just no. taking his notes. And then like at the end, he's like, oh, here's some drugs. And that's it. Yeah. It's like, wow. And it's. And it's pretty much the same drugs that he's been taking recreationally, so... Yeah. Easy access, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
So, I, yeah, Dean goes to school the next day, and he gets tormented by some kids who also bought drugs off of uh, Troy. Yeah. And they want him to go in and steal the drugs and give to him. Mm-hmm. And they he, he tells them pretty much to go fuck themselves, yeah. as he rightfully should. Yeah. <laughs> um. Then they get the idea to kidnap his brother, only they kidnap another kid. Yeah. <laughs> this kid belonging to a lady that lives across the street from Dean. Yeah. Who is... Uh... <laughs> Uh, it's the son of the the woman, and then uh, her divorced husband, who is a cop or the sheriff. Hi, the sheriff, high believe, ranking yeah. cop, yeah. The and then she is chief, also just... she is also about ready to marry the mayor. So there's some <laughs> connections going on here. And there's <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of threads that are starting to be put together really quickly, but it's going to be a longer time before that whole all these threads make a web. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, they do come together though. Uh, yeah, but yes, it's it's interesting. It's a very interesting story and in how it all plays out. Yeah, um, the kids who kidnapped the kid, uh, the lead kid is uh, is it Justin Chatwin? Goku. Yeah, it's Goku in Dragon Ball Evolution, the single best Goku. version of Dragon Ball ever created, <laughs> without a doubt. <laughs> I don't know if anybody would argue now against that what's, one. Now, what's funny is. I saw this movie, okay, long before I ever watched Shameless. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I already had a preconceived notion on like Justin Chatwick mm-hmm. as an actor. Yeah. Well, not as an actor, just based off of this character here. So like the first time I watched Shameless and he showed up, like fuck him, yeah, fuck him, no, fuck him. He, he is a <laughs> don't care what happened in this movie. <laughs> But I do enjoy him as an actor, and yeah. I rewatching it after watching Shameless and watching some more of his work. Hey, God, I kind of yeah, he is such a bastard. Yes, yeah. he is good at playing the the role, though. Like Jesus, he just, yeah, he's just after the drugs. He's kidnapped a kid, um, kidnapped the wrong kid because you know not super competent, but you know bastard. <laughs> yeah, he, he's not the brightest. Yeah. I do think it's funny when they call up uh, Dean and they're like, ah, we'll, we'll kill your brother unless he gets drugs. And Dean goes downstairs and sees his brother playing video games and says, yeah, go ahead and kill him. <laughs> go ahead. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's not until after that they realize, oh, this isn't the r- right kid. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they do it. But then they now that they realize they have the wrong kid, mm-hmm. so they're just going to keep him. And this kid is not the wiser the yeah. whole time. But uh, Until he's like, hey, I want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At first he seems like, oh, whatever. But eventually he's like, hey, I want to go home. And then, yeah, things eventually get pretty serious. Um, but, yeah, uh, I will say that was probably some of the weakest parts in the movie for me. Kind of, uh, the, I feel like the kidnapping just kind of goes on and on and it's important to the story. So I understand why, but just kind of feels like he's kidnapped for a while. And it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just kind of happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's remarkable to me how many of the adults in this. Yeah. were just clueless to anything going on yeah. with their kids. And that, that was, probably my most interesting takeaway is how little connection the adults seem to have like his mother is their kids yeah the mother of this kid who's kidnapped is planning her wedding and i get it your kid's 13 he's running around okay but you think she'd care a little bit more um you haven't seen your kid for 
what probably at least 48 hours through the course of this movie possibly 72 yeah, two days yeah um i'm sorry i don't care how old my kid is if i'm watching them where the fuck are you call me contact mm-hmm. me um listen let man, me know you're alive if if you want to go <laughs> hang out with your friends ever again you better be like at least contacting me daily holy shit <laughs> yeah uh yeah, it's it, it's remarkable, and it's even funnier of how many times the kids just use "oh, it's for school." Yeah. Oh, oh, then come right in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, there's so many layers. Like, uh, so one of the the kids that's with the kidnapping bunch, which is a, a girl named Crystal, who is uh, her mom is Carrie Ann Moss, who sees the kid kidnap kid as a way to talk to the mayor. It seems like. Because the kid is the 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 son of the person the mayor is marrying. There's layers. <laughs> there are a lot of layers to this. Yeah. yeah. So, do we want to talk about the dolphins? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, oh, um, uh, Ray Fine, Ralph Fines. He plays the mayor. He pronounces it Ray, but it's spelled Ralph, so Ray? it's really yeah. confusing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, Ray Fiennes, mm-hmm. who who gives a great performance in this. Oh yeah, well that thing. The performances um, here are all pretty fucking top notch. Yeah. yeah, I kind of feel like he's definitely on the break of like, in I don't want to say existential, but like he's definitely having a breakthrough throughout this movie. Yeah, while actually reading Dean's dad's book. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it starts when they're showing a house, which is actually, uh, is it, isn't it the house where the kid, where uh, the girl lives? I think like when so. they were showing. Yes, yes, it is. Her, yeah, yeah, and so they were showing the house while it was still being built. Um, the missing kid's mom. Um, What's the actress's name? I, I'm it's, drawing it's Rita Wilson, Tom, isn't it? Uh, Rita Wilson, yeah. Pretty sure Tom yeah. Hanks' who, wife. <laughs> yeah, Tom Hanks' wife. Who is she? Is fucking great in this. Oh too. yeah, oh yeah. Like just such a full of herself, bitch. I loved every minute of yeah. it. Oh yeah. Mm. <laughs> I loved it because I'm I'm sure it was definitely out of character, but I'm also sure that she knows people who are like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so. The scenes like with her where it was a, like a flashback where she was looking for her kid, Charlie. And while looking, she accidentally knocked over a loose bucket of paint that some negligent painter would leave on a, on a railing, mm-hmm. which never would happen. Yeah. But it falls down and hits the mayor in the head and the paint spills and it kind of almost turned into a dolphin pattern. Mm-hmm. And he had gotten his socks in the paint and started walking around, and they kind of left almost dolphin prints all over. Mm-hmm. So, I think the dolphin was definitely used as an analogy for like a free spirit sort of. Oh, for sure, yes. At, and, and that's the first glimpse that we see of dolphins in the movie, at least that I've caught. Mm-hmm. Well, we. Saw, I'm sure there. There's a little bit at the school. I remember that. Um, I remember yeah, there, him looking. There were some. Yeah, he looked at the side of the school, and you could tell it had meaning, but we didn't know yet. We didn't. 
yeah, we couldn't see it then. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and we also pan out to see that the paint spilled into the shape, ironically, of a giant dolphin. Mm-hmm. Remember that panning upward shot into a shape of a dolphin, because we'll get back to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he explains his breakthrough to her, and Rita Wilson is just not having it. She just wants to hear, she wants to have the wedding and just do that. Kind of has a mini meltdown. He decides to paint dolphins all over the living room in the house. Yeah. <laughs> the wedding's the next day. <laughs> yeah, and she's obviously freaking out, and she's like covering it all up. And I'm just looking at this going, this is how you know this isn't going to end well. <laughs> yeah, this is just like, oh, this is a trade wreck and I am here for yeah. it. Yeah. Meanwhile, across the street, uh, Glenn Close, who played the mother of uh, Troy, the mm-hmm. one who killed himself, uh, is having a memorial for her son. Yeah, how... how? But there's a few parts that we... There's a few little tidbits that we missed that we're going to get to right yeah. now, though, prior that, that, uh, that are also in the works with this so while this whole is both of those events in the same court cul-de-sac are going to be happening um dean ended up stealing the drugs deciding to not give them and supplement and trade out his mom's vitamins and try and sell those to the kids just to save the kid and get them back they ended up getting into a fight dean gets arrested that is when dean puts it together that the kid who's with them is the chief of police's kid (laughs) and it's like that's who they have Mm. So while they're being interviewed, well, well, Dean is being interviewed with, with his dad and the cops asking him questions. His dad and the chief go out to talk. Dean grabs the thing, looks right at the camera yeah. and just points at his son. Yeah. And just like, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I have to say this, the chief is probably the only adult in this who ever listened to the kids. I, I think that. Maybe True. Carrie Ann Moss too, know. but well, carry on. Well, they were both into their own thing. Carrie Ann Moss definitely had a thing for the mayor, and that was definitely her driving force. Oh and yeah. And then you had the same thing with uh, the uh, the chief of police, who's definitely still pining after his ex. Um, yeah. But the fact that they're probably a bit more positive than average uh, kind of tells you what you're seeing in this movie with a lot of the adults. Yeah. And well, and also Billy's dad seemed okay. He seemed legit. Yeah. Um, there is actually a really beautiful moment, probably the best scene in the movie. It's a moment between Dean and uh, Troy's mom at the end. Yeah. Where, like, they actually yeah. talk about Troy and they open up, and that is such a poignant scene. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's kind of great because you see this lead the lead um uh, what's his name again oh uh jamie Is it jamie though yeah. yeah you see him and he's like acting like you know doing the craft mm-hmm. in the same scene as glenn Close. Yeah. and neither is upstaging either yeah. and they are just on that same level and i just think it's like I remember watching it thinking more like, man, I bet you Jamie Bell is nervous. As yeah. This scene. Yeah, you have to. Like, you have to be open and vulnerable, but around a, like a legend. Yeah. And he does it. He And he holds his own. He, he, he delivers. Yeah. yeah, he delivers so well in this. Mm-hmm. There's another scene that happened prior to both of the events, and it's one that I had told you about. And and to me, it is, it, it to me, it's a scene that is obviously said to represent as a representation of, you know, 
Dean's internal struggle that he's going through and what's weighing on his head the most at that moment. And it's, you know, Troy's mother, mm -hmm. where it shows him just in bed and you hear her digging up the yeah. garden in the middle of the night, like in her nightgown. But you just hear, you see him laying in bed and just the light, there's a little light just on his bed and it slowly pans out to her digging, mm -hmm. like right next to his bed, but it's in his bedroom. Mm -hmm. And beautiful. Oh, chef's kiss. Yeah. Oh, I love well, that so I much. I also like how it shows these two are not sleeping and these are the only two characters who seem to be fully registering that mm -hmm. a kid has died. Everybody's yeah. just in their own world, and these are the only two that are registering that this actually fucking happened. Um, like a, a kid died. Yeah. Like, well, the, the bully kid, um, uh, um, we said his name earlier, Chris uh, Herwick or uh, Goku. Oh, yeah. Uh, his character, Chatwin. Billy. Justin Chat, yeah. thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, Billy, like, the thing he does to torment Dean right away is he yells, Hey, psycho, your boyfriend, where is he? And then he throws us like a medical skeleton down, mm -hmm. painting from a noose. Yeah, just like just show you how fucked fuck up that you, kid is. Mm. And he, his little crony, uh, Les. Mm -hmm. We get most. I think we get more time with his parents than any other parents in the movie. Well, maybe mm -hmm. Dean's, but yeah, that's why I was about to say Dean's would compete. But his, yeah, I, I I love his parents. They cracked me. Yeah, up. I just couldn't help but laugh at them. Yeah. Uh, well, they are probably the 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 most square out of it, all of the parents. Well, the mom uh, looked familiar, but I can't place her name. The actress, the dad is Jason Isaacs, who's yeah, Jason Isaacs, great, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No, he kind of he kind of was great playing the uptight square. I thought it was kind of funny how they're just all uptight, and then like at the memorial service, he's getting frisky. It's like. Okay, what the well, fuck? <laughs> you, you, you know why they were getting frisky, I don't right? remember why. Well, remember how I said that uh, Dean had swapped the drugs out with his mom's That's veggies? That's right, yes. <laughs> well, his little shit brother, Rory Calkin, the little fucker, yeah. he uh, crushed them all up into a powder That's and mixed right. it in with the casserole. That's right. So all the drugs that were getting the kids high got their parents high at his wake, which honestly... Such a poor taste. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, but it it I don't know. I, I think that painted a clear message. Mm -hmm. Um one thing I really thought that clearly defined the the Rita Wilson character in this is how pissed she is that they're having a memorial service so close to her wedding day and how inconsiderate they are yeah. to schedule that so close to that. And it's like Wow, how disconnected are you? <laughs> like you, you even heard Ray Fon's characters like, "Honey, it's your son." Yeah, Duh. yeah. <laughs> he also registered that a kid. Died. Yeah, and, and we, we've already seen he's kind of going through this break where he's trying to figure out things, and even he's registering what? <laughs> her kid's dead. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's her son. Mm. <laughs> I think that we could. I think it's. I think we could allow that just for today. Yeah. Um, but of like, course, it's just, come on. it's another sign that relationship definitely isn't going to work. Um, whatever they were when they first started dating, he is definitely changing and she is not long for the ride. <laughs> no, he is, uh, enlightening. Yes. And he, moment of enlightenment, and he realized it's when the paint can hit him in the head. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Doesn't want to do politics. He he wants to paint and create. Mm-hmm. And he meets Carrie Ann Moss at the wedding. Yeah. And they fall in love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she was into him pretty much from the beginning. And, uh... Yep. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I do, I do think it's um, interesting. We never actually see, like, a firm breakup scene with him and Rita Wilson. But we know it's not working. <laughs> no, well... Well, okay, well, the cl- the big climax comes when, you know, like we had said, there's the uh, wake on one side of the cul-de-sac yeah. and the wedding on the other. Um, the kidnapping comes to a head where, you know, Billy realizes, or Les realizes that he's screwed. Mm-hmm. He's screwed. So they decide to try to kill this kid. Les tries to stab him a few times. Yeah. And in one scene that I still, like, I laugh at every time I hear the line. Mm-hmm. When he's like, when he stabs him in the knife, and he's like, Charlie, you have to let go of the knife so I can kill you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're an idiot, mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. Uh, um, they, uh, there's a little scuffle. Um, I think, it, what is it? It's, uh, the kid pulls, the, the kid has the knife and he goes and swipes at Billy mm-hmm. and he gets him in the eye. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I for, how could I forget about that? That. That shot where you just see his eye and the knife go across it really fast. It's like, ooh. And you Damn. see his hand go up yeah. immediately. And it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Holy he, shit. So Billy's running down the street screaming bloody murder. Mm-hmm. Um, the police chief puts it together. So he's trying to find his kid. He's got the siren on. He's running through the neighborhoods yeah. trying to find the kid. Uh, he pulls across the street where the wedding is. Everyone comes out because they hear a kid screaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chief sees the his uh, ex-wife in her wedding gown. Yeah. He gets distracted. Hits Billy. Yeah. <laughs> Billy goes in, and both parties are pretty much broken up. And uh, the movie gets kind of wrapped up with a nice bow on it at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie went to go live with his dad. It shows him working out and his dad pushing him to keep lifting weights, keep lifting weights, keep working out. Mm-hmm. The narr- We get a voice from a narrator saying, like, most people think he's in better hands. I kind of agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. But for some reason, when they pan attention at all, <laughs> no, I think for so, I think it was interesting choice how they pan slowly in on like the sheriff's gun mm-hmm. on his hip, yeah, but with uh, yeah. Charlie lifting weights slightly out of focus yeah. in the background, and it's like interesting choice, <laughs> yeah. When they to say that line, mm-hmm. um, the mayor ended up being uh, started dating Carrie Ann Moss, and you know. He's a painter, and he's super happy. Mm-hmm. Rita Wilson's uh, decorating thing went under. Yeah. Uh, Troy's or uh, Dean's mom, her veggie thing exploded. Now she's super big and influential, and you know, loving life. His dad's book sales are dropping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not good. He had one person turn out at his last signing. Yeah, yeah, that, that was <laughs> and not, Dean. Uh, no. Yeah, and Dean and that girl were uh, together and seeming happy. Mm-hmm. And then we get to then we find out the voice of the narrator we heard was kind of the uh, voice of what Troy was. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, one thing I would say. Maybe it was just my copy of it, but I did not like the voice. It just just found it a little bit grating. And uh, I know my voice is grating as well. Like, but yeah, it didn't quite well, like, work for well, me. It was yeah, a, I kind of think they yeah they put a little too much effect on it. I yeah, think. yeah. Um, because uh, we haven't brought up the uh, what the actual chum scrubber is in this movie. Yeah. Which is kind of this... I think it was like an idea Troy had for a video game, it seemed like. 
where uh no i think it was like an actual video oh, game. was it an actual video game i wasn't sure about yeah that. it was an in it, it was an in-universe game yeah oh okay like a comic book character yeah uh-huh okay but yeah it's it's like essentially the chum scrubber is this zombie in a world of zombies after the apocalypse um kind of a fun idea but yeah. unfortunately the the narration that goes on over this part is a little grating and yeah i'm not sure like it's i think it's just i think you brought it up it's probably just overproduced um yeah because i i like the actual well, ideas behind it mm. No, I do. And they, they ended the movie with the giant pan out and the entire town mm-hmm. is in the shape of a dolphin. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I thought that was also kind of like a nice little, oh, mm. that's a nice touch. Yeah. But yeah, this is, uh, I discovered this when I worked at a video store in like, uh, oh, hey, you know, yeah, maybe like, uh, oh, eight, oh, nine. Okay. Uh, or oh, seven, yeah, oh, seven, oh, eight. Because I went to work at, with you in 08. Uh, God, yeah. Was it that long ago? Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was something I just saw on the shelves, and I was like, this seems interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'll bite. And then started looking at the cast going, holy shit. Yeah. Um, all, all right. I've heard of most of these cool. people. I've heard of them. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was Ray Fines that sold me on it. Well. I think he might be the most prominent one in the trailer, though he's definitely not the most prominent one in the uh, the movie itself. Oh, Although, oh, not at all. Yeah, Jamie Bell is not as famous a name, but he's definitely the lead in this. And it's it's oh, yeah. mostly an ensemble, but he he's definitely got more going on. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, overall, I really like this. I thought this was a solid movie. Um, yeah, damn good movie. Yes, very good. Um. Yeah, I guess I don't have much more to add other than uh, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Um, yeah, it's I uh, available I, I, on Amazon. I've never even yeah, heard of it before it. you uh, before you brought it up, and I'm glad I saw it. <sighs> yeah, all right. Are we are we ready for Jessica Jones now? Yeah, let's get into uh, Jessica Jones. Yeah. Uh, so the next four episodes. Um, yeah, I just remembering back this series. This is I love this season. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is good. Uh, this, uh, where do we start out with? Yeah. Episode five is our origin. Episode six. Yeah, episode six. Seven, eight, nine. Yeah, so the episode six through nine, yeah. Um, we see a lot more of Kilgrave this, uh, this period. Um. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So, um, last week, that's right, we left off and she was sending him the pictures because, uh, to get him to leave Malcolm alone so Malcolm could get sober. And, yeah, it's uh, continuing from there. She still has to keep a regular schedule of sending him a new picture every day at, like, 10, something like that. Um, and Kilgrave's just doing fucked up things. We see him, uh, I think it might be beginning of episode 6 where we see him at a poker game that he, of course, wins. He gets everybody to go all in and then fold because... Um, that's his oh, thing. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah he, he, he convinces them through bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, well, that brings up an interesting, uh, <clears throat> okay, I did not mute my microphone in time. Uh, <laughs> uh, an interesting idea that I came up with was, is it possible to have a power like his 
and not turn out a villain. The, the power to make anybody do something that you tell them to. Like, I can't imagine the discipline it would take to be not become the villain. Um, yeah, it, it would be. Like, I mean, we would all hmm. we would all like to think of ourselves as like, you know, you know, we will do the good thing with our powers. But that power in particular, it's like. Ooh. Yeah, that would be a hard that, 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 that's a hard call. Yeah. Well, it also made me think, you know, we look at like these super rich people. They essentially have this power. Yeah. Gee whiz, I wonder why they aren't like all doing like being saints or anything. <laughs> it just kind of gives you an idea of their mindset. Just anything they want, they could they just ask for it. They get it. Boom. Uh but yeah, it was just an interesting thought that popped in my head. But yes, uh, Kilgrave is gathering together money, and he's wants to legally buy a house. He wants to make sure to do it on the up and up. Of course, he doesn't get the money on the up and up, but uh, he goes out of his way not to just tell the person to give him his house, and he buys it for like $1.2 million, and then we find out the house he's getting is uh, Jessica's old childhood home. Because he is really obsessed. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, he has a thing. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, and uh, it's not until the end of these four that we finally get the full idea of why exactly he's so obsessed with Jessica. Um, though we get hints of it throughout. Um, he does break into Jessica's place and has the courtesy to key in her bathroom and... When someone goes, hey, what are you doing in here? Um, go. He goes ahead and has that person slit their throat on Jessica's bed. Good times. <laughs> well, yeah, that was part of the um, uh, the sibling couple. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That lived up. Uh, yeah, that was... Uh, I want to say Rory, but I know that's not the name. No, I don't remember his name either. But yeah, he was a uh, he he was the one that definitely had this uh, little crush on Jessica, but he didn't definitely didn't know how to um, properly talk Act to her or anything. Yeah, so he just acted weird as fuck around her. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, so he buys her childhood home. Um, oh yes, and that is. Uh, that is essentially his plan to get her there. Well, you know, he leaves the body for her. I, I don't think he ever planned for that, but he doesn't give a shit. Um, no. But he's there to leave a clue for her to find where to find him at, which is, of course, the childhood home. But leads to this huge scene at the police station, which is probably one of the most iconic scenes in the series. Yeah, that was intense. Yeah, that was an intense standoff. Yeah, Jessica wants to turn herself in for the murder of the person that, you know, obviously she didn't do. That was Kilgrave. But she's hoping she could put herself in Supermax and then that will lure Kilgrave into a spot where they could catch him. Sounds like an outrageously bad plan to me, but I guess if you're desperate. <laughs> desperate times, desperate measures. Yes. But of course, it, it doesn't even get that far because Kilgrave's not even willing to let her go to prison. Uh, he essentially just walks in there, tells the cops that charges are dropped. Uh, 
has them whole, all hold guns on each other while he talks to Jessica, making a big deal about how he doesn't want to command her to do things. Something we'll get to right at the end. Because <laughs> that's... We actually yeah. do get a couple conversations between him and Jessica here, and he is going out of his way to make sure he's not telling her to do things. He's asking her questions, he's stating simple facts, but he's not saying, hey, do this, hey, do that, like he does with everybody else in the fucking series. <laughs> no, I, I noticed that, how like he had curved his dialogue with it, and yeah. I thought that was just very nice touch. Yeah, it's it's interesting and you know it, yeah <laughs> it, it's it, it's hard to take your eyes off tenant too while he's on screen oh yeah he's an amazing villain here that's the thing so like they had daredevil season one that was the first marvel netflix series and that had kingpin which is a great villain and then they followed it up with this which is also a great fucking villain it was like jesus christ i don't know which one's better because they're both amazing villains and they're both evil in their own right too. yeah in very different ways i mean they both have the power to control things i mean kingpin's more your traditional villain where you know he just has you know crime to back him up this guy doesn't have a gang or anything he's just a guy who walks around and can get people to do whatever he tells him to do yeah i mean he he can have a gang if he wanted to oh yeah he no. just has to say the word yeah that's the thing he like ran like whenever somebody does try to capture him you get people out of nowhere just suddenly attacking that person because it seems like usually wherever he goes, he has a group of people that probably follow him just because he says, hey, keep an eye on me. Keep your distance. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, the number of people he kill graves throughout this series is disturbing. Um, but yeah, eventually he does lure to the house. And then uh, from the house, Jessica is able to drug him and take him into the soundproof room that they were getting ready for him. And that... Uh, that leads to probably some of the most uh, crazy stuff because they have him locked up. They're trying to prove that his power actually exists. Um, and they introduce, reintroduce him to his parents because they're able to find his parents. And it, yeah. it is kind of interesting to learn the origin because at first he's like, I was experimented on. Look at my sad life. It's like, oh, shit, that is fucked up. Yeah. But then, it, then they track down the parents and the parents were like, yeah, he was going to die. We were experimenting on him because if we didn't, he was going to die. And it was like, oh, well, shit. <laughs> but uh, I do think it's interesting how we uh, you see the uh, the parents and the mom. When you see her, she has this burn across half her face. Um, yeah. And you know, this is just from him. I think they might have even established that as something with an iron or something that he told her to do. Yeah. Ugh. Of course, they they bring the parents in to talk to them. Uh, they go into the soundproof booth. Of course, uh, they have this plan to electrocute them if anything actually gets serious so they can knock them out. But that doesn't go as planned. Something happens to the yeah. electric thing. It sparks out. Um, yeah, it shorts out, of course. Yeah. The uh, uh, Kilgrave manages to tell his mother to kill herself, which she does. Then he tells the father to kill himself, which he doesn't quite get around to, last we saw. Um, yeah. Trish tries to shoot out the window, and in turn, he just is able to then talk to her and tell her to pull a bullet in her skull, last we saw that had happened. He yeah. tells he tells the cop that's there to witness it, hey, you follow me, so he yanks his hand out of handcuffs which is looked like a fun experience for him just so he could follow yeah. and protect him and then he tells jessica to let go which of course jessica doesn't 
And, it, you know, it kind of, you realize then that's why he's obsessed with her. That's why he's coding his language around her. Because she's the one person who can actually fucking tell him no. But, of course, he doesn't yeah. want her to know that. <laughs> and, yeah, I think it just ended up being a cool uh, spot to leave the series uh, for right now. But, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a nice little <laughs> little cliffhanger there. Um, but, I don't know. I always liked the idea because uh, throughout, yeah, like, we know... Kilgrave has scarred Jessica. We see throughout this series that she is like damaged from what he did to her. The terrible yeah. things he did. Uh, no. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's a lot of stuff and like guilt that she's still living with and weighing mm-hmm. on. And I think with her, with Luke Cage coming back into her life, or not coming back into her life, yeah. coming into yeah. her life, um, that kind of reawakened a lot of that guilt that she was experiencing. And you know, we do see her going through it all the time. Like all through it, and it's she's making it her mission to you know save a star out of prison, mm-hmm. and um, you know, kill Kilgrave. Just just end yeah, him. that's just the only thing that mm-hmm. she has. Uh, not the only thing, but like that is her main mission at, as a bounty. Yeah, she wants to, to. Well, not necessarily immediately kill him, but you know, I'm sure eventually kill him. But get, uh, uh, I can't hope, out of prison because she's in prison for killing her parents, which is something Kilgrave told her to do. Yeah. Um, which is why she's not immediately killing him. But, yeah, it's interesting to see that throughout all this damage, she actually come, she's actually a bit stronger from the experience because now Kilgrave, who can literally make anybody do whatever he asks, has no power over her. And it's just such an interesting idea. Yeah. The idea that like we could actually be stronger after being broken. I I like it. I don't like it. Yeah. No, no, I do. I do. It's definitely a testament about one's willpower. Yes. Um but yeah, it's a great uh series. Um really looking forward to finishing uh the end of season one. Uh we got that coming yeah. up in a couple weeks. Uh anything you want to add? Um, no, this is still like a first watch. So I'm like, I'm unpacking it as the episodes go. Yeah. And I, I'm really enjoying the narrative, how mm-hmm. they're telling it. Um, I really liked the scene, um, like the first day where she woke up in her childhood home. Yeah. And, you know, Kilgrave was out back having breakfast and That's that nosy right. neighbor came over. Yeah. And yeah. And I really liked how he showed her like, Hey, you know, like I, I, I'm trying to be good mm-hmm. here. And she's like, even though how great that was to watch, yeah. you're still an asshole. <laughs> but I did enjoy that mm-hmm. too. As soon as she said that, I was like, that's just uncalled for. And then he was just, oh, oh, well, never mind. No, it was like one of the. And yeah. I'm. Yeah, it's one of the rare times that we did see him do it, other than the time she forced him to be a hero. Yeah. Which I think in that sense, it would be good to be a hero and use that power mm-hmm. for that. But I think that breakfast table situation would rear its head too yeah. much that I would just do that and then become the villain. That yeah. Way. Well, the whole breakfast table. <laughs> I, I, I know myself. It was interesting having the neighbor say, oh, I wish I had stopped him from going out there. I knew something was going to happen. And he was like, no, you didn't. Why would you say that? What's oh, wrong you with mean, you? What's wrong? <laughs> Why would you say yeah. that? Why would you say such a horrible thing? Because it makes me feel yeah. better, not myself. I think you should yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was one of his few moments where it's like, okay, okay, that was kind of awesome. 
I, I hate saying that about yeah, you because was... you're just such a giant piece of shit. But yeah, been, okay, awesome. Yeah, you've been such a bastard yeah. this whole time. But but then we came to find out that you know he went back over there and manipulated her. Yeah, and uh, gave a bomb to uh, gave her a bomb. Yeah. to give to give to agent. I guess we haven't really covered Simpson a whole lot. I don't even know if we brought him up last. Time. No, I don't think we did. No, we we said that he was with um uh, the. The gr- the other girl, the blonde, mm-hmm. yeah, one who he told to shoot in the head. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, she, like he, yeah, like I think Jessica, Jessica hired him, right? Simpson? No, I think he's doing this on his own. Yeah, like, he was. They, they were son. kind of working together. Yeah, but that he's got his own issues. Like he is just, he's much more interested in just killing Kilgrave and calling it a day. He doesn't give a shit about Hope. He honestly doesn't give a shit about Jessica. No. Um, he, they he just, really dislike each other, and he is kind of a bastard. He is. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he deserved to get blown up, though. No, no. But uh, there's a there's a bit more of his story because now all of a sudden there's this weird doctor who's talked to him, and he has to take these color coded pills. Red, white, doctor and blue. Tom, okay, wake up with red, two to evening, two whites to evening out during the day, and then go down with blue. So Simpson, of course, immediately then takes two reds, which, yeah, I remember when the doctor said take two reds, right? <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking, did he say two reds or was it two whites? No, it was definitely two whites. At no point does he ever say take two reds. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thought, like, didn't he say for you to take two whites? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the cop's kind of a bastard. I, he's not kill grave level, but he he's... Yeah. Not great either. <laughs> no, no, he's not. But uh, yes, uh, I guess, I guess, uh, I think we're good. Um, yeah. yeah. So next week, oh, I had it up here. Oh, it's on the other uh, tab. <laughs> oh, oh, where is it? Oh, plan ahead. So next week we're gonna finish off Sandman. Uh, she Hulk will be coming out. So we will, of course be covering hulk 2003 because we need to wait for a couple episodes to collect up yeah yep <laughs> and then uh the original clerks because uh, we got clerks 3 coming out next month so yeah we do we're gonna cover the trilogy where we can fit them <laughs> uh but yeah that's on the agenda for next week uh all right all right uh anything you want to add before we sign out bobby uh no no well till next week all right till next week freeze frame have to hit stop somehow while freezing um hold on just you, move your mouse over you can't, right before you can't, we do it you can't see me moving right now i'm very quiet i want to go ahead and add some audio credits at the end here Uh, The theme music you're hearing at the beginning and end of this podcast was uh, written and performed by George Johnson, a very good friend of mine. And my current Patreons are uh, Fel Martins, David Lara, and Lindsay Painkhurst. If you'd like to become a patron, go ahead and follow the link down below. Anything you can provide would be incredibly helpful to this channel. We're barely limping by right now. Uh, I'd love to make this my full-time job, but I'm miles away from that right now. So any help you could provide, just a dollar a month would be amazing. You know you want to. All your friends are doing it.